Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, everybody, to Heavy Live with Scoop B. I am Brandon Scoop B. Robinson. We are broadcasting this episode of Heavy Live with Scoop B through our Heavy on Lakers channel, Heavy on Bulls, and Heavy on Celtics, as well as Periscope. And uh, a very big surprise and a very big treat to have uh, one of the most respected basketball minds uh, in the NBA currently uh, is none other than Jeff Van Dunny. Jeff, welcome to Heavy Live with Scoop B. Nice to meet you. Pleasure, sir. Pleasure. The NBA Finals um, is underway, and uh, it was was pretty funny. Uh, I spoke to you earlier today, and I said, "What a game last night!" You said, "Man, that was boring." When you look at the, the, the when you look at the game last night, I'm curious to know from your perspective, was it what you expected? Well, I I didn't expect Miami to jump off to that great a start. They they played great basketball in the first six minutes. Sure. James goes to the bench and then Caldwell Pope and the second unit of the Lakers uh, played tremendous basketball. And then up until the fourth quarter, they were utterly dominant. And it was really a great performance by the Lakers. Unfortunately for the Heat, um, they didn't play particularly well and they uh, endured a bunch of injuries. So uh, it was an unfortunate night for Miami. Enduring it is, and I think when you look at that series, you look at Bam Adebayo, uh, you look at Goran Jargic, who you know did collectively get hurt. One of the things I was looking at, just taking a cursory look at just that type of injury that Dragic had, I remember Joe Johnson uh, did some rehab. I think he might have gotten a cortisone shot maybe and came back. From your expertise, is it worth Dragic coming back, or, or do you see it You know, kind of him sitting out? Yeah, I think it all. those are all individual decisions. I think the team and their doctors owe uh, a lot of transparency about um, side effects or possible repercussions. And then you have to leave it up to the individual. You don't get many shots at a finals and Dragic at 34 doesn't get many. He doesn't have many more opportunities in this league. And so uh, if they can do it and he can, you know, do, do these type of things safely, 
then he may be willing to do that. It, but I wouldn't criticize him if he was unwilling either. So uh, I think obviously Miami and their opportunity to win uh, rises dramatically if Dragic is healthy. Uh, it's lessened if he's playing half speed and it's really hurt if he's unable to play. For sure. For sure, Jeff. Um, when I look at the Lakers, I remember just reading some quotes from today. LeBron James said that he was up till probably like 4, 4.30 this morning watching game tape, and he said that he found ways that he could even better himself, he and the team, collectively. From your vantage point, um, where there's no such thing as perfect, but last night was a pretty daggone good game. From your perspective, where could they improve in game two? Well, obviously, I think the start uh, probably bothered them that they eased into the game, whereas Miami came out and were ready to attack and had a, you know, just a, a tremendous first six minutes. Scoop mm -hmm. And then I think probably they're upset how they finished the fourth quarter. But, you know, I think that happens all the time in the NBA. And no matter how much coaches or teams talk about it, it's never going to change because players' mentality is they play the score, not the game. They were up big and they just stopped playing. So, uh, you know, LeBron James, I'm sure he didn't have a great first half, you know, two for six in the first half. Uh, Anthony Davis was tremendous. So I'm sure James wants to play better in that first half tomorrow. Dwight Howard, to me, um, in the series against the Rockets, the team you used to coach, got his version of load management by sitting out because basically they didn't really need him. Um, you know, they played small ball basketball. They countered it. Um, one of the things that I, I, I was honored and happy that you said last night on the broadcast was that Dwight Howard uh, deserves to be a Hall of Famer. And I sat down with Dwight last summer and discussed that. I, I, I told him I believe that he, both he and Carmelo Anthony both deserve um, that honor. You being a former Knicks coach, but you also, you know, knowing of Dwight, um, do you co-sign with, I guess, both of those, Carmelo as well as Dwight? Yeah, Dwight, you know, I, I think – he, he had such a uh, remarkable start to his career. And, you know, without question during his prime, he was a top three player at his position. Mm -hmm. And he had a Scoop major back right injury. Here. And frankly, he lost his way. And he lost his way because he became uh, very, very selfish about the ball and him wanting to have the ball more for post-up opportunities where, he, you know, the game was trending in a different way and his talents were not quite what they uh, once were. And so it's really fun to watch him rediscover uh, a commitment to a team. You know, for so long, that five or six year period, you know, it just seemed like he, he cared less about team results and more about individual results. Now, you know, he's taken a step back individually, mm -hmm. and here he is benefiting and three wins away from winning a championship. I think without question he's a Hall of Famer. And Carmelo Anthony, uh, the individual numbers that he's put up, it's without question he's a Hall of Famer. Coaching move today. Uh, Doc Rivers left at the Clippers, and he's now a member of or more so the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers guiding a Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons uh, star team. What do you make of it? Yeah, it was uh, it was shocking. I think that the Clippers 
and Doc Rivers parted ways. I thought Doc Rivers did a tremendous job there. They obviously uh, had an unfortunate uh, series loss to Denver after being up 3-1. But it did not shock me at all that he became uh, the number one candidate for many teams. And he decided on Philadelphia. And they have a terrific team uh, built around two stars that have to find ways to continue to coexist and enhance each other's skills. And I think Doc is a tremendous coach and leader, and I think he'll do a very good job there. If you, The rapper Nas made a song called If I Ruled the World. Um, if you ruled the world for a day and looking at next season in your crystal ball, do you shift Ben Simmons full-time to the four position, or do you think that he should stay at the point guard position next season? Well, I think you can have a hybrid type of arrangement. I think when Ben Simmons rebounds the ball on a miss and you either he busts out and leads the break or they outlet to him, I think that's where he's uh, at his best. And then on made baskets, when you're running more half-court offense, I think he can be a foreman. And I think so you have to try to surround him uh, and Embiid with talents that fit their skill sets. And I think I think you can have that hybrid on misses. He's the middleman on your break. And on makes, he plays more of a uh, screener, roller, and then attacker from so, that short roll position. So when I look at the Brooklyn Nets, um, Kyrie, KD are obviously the headliners in that position, and they've gone on podcasts and they've, you know, they're beginning to speak their piece while the finals are on. Do you think, from your perspective, it's going to be an adjustment uh, the first ten games for for Nash for as the head coach for Kyrie for KD? What do you What do your druthers tell you about that? Well, I think it, you know, all really talented teams have adjustment periods, and it's all based on Scoop the ball. Radio. Uh, a lot of them are so used to having the ball in their hands a predominant amount of time. And when you get on great teams, uh, it's right back to kindergarten when you learned how to share. And and you, you have to learn to share once again. And you have to be good with it. You have to enjoy it. Uh, you can't resent it. And so for the Nets, you know, they have, you know, obviously Durant is, you know, their best player, and then Irving is an uh, incredibly talented offensive player. But they've got other guys who are used to, to playing with the ball in their hands, and that's why I think re-signing Joe, uh, Joe Harris is so critical. Mm-hmm. He's a good component playing off of greatness. And I think they're just going to – they have some big roster decisions to try to decide, and I think Steve Nash will do a really good job. I think, obviously, they've had some very strong personnel. I'm interested to watch Um, uh, Durant and Irving provide, you know, uh, intriguing quotes that get analyzed. (laughs) um, It's going to be an interesting year in Brooklyn. Interesting indeed, uh, Jeff. When I look at the Nets, for me, uh, I think the point guard position, or at least a scorer, or a person who can fill a void. You know, Kyrie Irving's been injured off and on. I like Kyrie. I think the world of him, but I feel like you need that security blanket. If you're the Nets, do you, in addition to signing Joe Harris, do you, would you go more after a power forward or a point guard to kind of counter that? 
Yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, Levert and, and Spencer Dinwiddie, um, they've got talent there. Uh, obviously, Torian Prince didn't have the quite the year they had hoped he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they rework that uh, piece. I think also, do they commit to Jared Allen or are they going to go back to starting DeAndre Jordan? Uh, I think Jared Allen is a really good player. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Jordan is really good friends with Irving and Durant. So, you know, Steve Nash, he, he's he's a smart guy. And I think he'll, over the first half of the season, he'll, like, observe a lot what works best. And I think halfway through the season, he's going to have some tough decisions to make. And this is what is so critical. You know, guys can say they care about winning, but winning – entails sacrifice and you have to have guys who embrace that the sacrifice can't just be for the other guys it's got to be for you and that's how star players lead they they lead by sacrifice that means play defense that means pass that means work in practice so it there's a lot that goes into it and it'll be interesting to watch how it works out Jeff, I know uh, when I go to lecture at Ohio University at their School of Journalism in the summers, I look forward to touching down and getting to that campus. And there's a hotel nearby, and I love getting a red eye or red, red, what is it? A, well, any type of steak, but uh, red eye, I think is what it's called. But for me, ribeye. So, thank you, ribeye. I haven't had my evening coffee, the ribeye steak. So <laughs> for you, being in the bubble, being there since what? June, June, July? July 21st for me. What's the best meal that you've had on the bubble campus while you've been there? Well, we're in a different bubble. So we're, <laughs> the, the teams were in one bubble. We're in the media bubble. Okay. And so there's uh, one very good restaurant uh, at this hotel that we're at. Um, you know, but I have to say, uh, we're Uber, I Uber Eats a lot, you know, and uh I wish I could say I'm always eating healthy. I'm not. Um, but, uh, yeah, for the most part, the food has been fine. It's just like anything, though. You, you so miss home and mm. you so miss uh, the people that are important in your world uh, that it becomes very monotonous. It, it's not like the food's not good or the service isn't good. It's just the monotony of it all, the, um, you know, the never-ending, what you think is a never-ending Stay in a hotel, right? Um, and and you know, thankfully though, there is some perspective. We understand that we have it good, you know, that we have jobs and we are healthy, and you know, we're blessed. We're 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 thankful and we're blessed. Um, but it's time to go home. <laughs> I was talking to one of my interns uh, for the show before you know I called you, and I said, "Hey, I got Van Gundy on." He goes. Stan, right? I'm like, nah, Jeff. He goes, wait, they're brothers? Like, I had to explain that you guys were related. Does it ever throw people off that you guys are brothers? I don't think so. (laughs) First of all, the name isn't that common in the same uh, occupation. So I'd have to check on your standards of internship there. (laughs) Like, you can't put that together? Two short, ugly dudes in the same job? Come on. When I look at your uh, career, um, I look at 
Lawrence Frank, that's the, the comparison people always make um, because of the fact that you guys did not play in the NBA, but you guys are a wealth of knowledge. How much of a hurdle was it for you um, as, as, as you worked your way up the ranks for people and players to actually respect you because you weren't a player yourself? Yeah, I, I didn't run into that uh, at all, really. I, I came in in the uh, late 80s, and I was very young. I was 27 when I got an assistant coaching job at the New York Knicks. And we had uh, the core of the team was Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley, Mark Jackson. And they all have respect just naturally for coaches and the position of coach. And so what you find about great leaders is the first step is to be a great follower. Mm -hmm. And they were great followers, which allowed them the chance to also become great leaders and be followed themselves. And so I had it great. Those three were tremendous. And I was with that organization for 13 years, six and a half as an assistant and then six and a half as a head coach. And I always had the benefit of having uh, one of them on, on my team. And they just, again, tremendous leaders that showed respect. And the same when I went to Houston, uh, really good guys. Uh, certainly I can't relate to everything that an ex player could relate to as a coach. Um, you know, I don't know what it feels like. Um, but I, I don't think it was ever an issue, um, with anybody of significance that I coached. One of the things that always was fascinating to me, um, was your love for Diet Coke. And I know that that was a writer's, uh, or a, a person who was making a caricature. That was always the thing, your Diet Coke. Jeff, with all the Diet Coke that you drank, did they give you any stock options? B Radio. No stock. And I've gone the healthier route now. I'm drinking Coke Zero for the most part. So I think that's a tad better for you than Diet Coke. I'm sure hoping so. Do you miss coaching? Well, I think when you're talking about any job, you can't separate the good from the bad. You have to embrace every aspect of a job. And so uh, the job, the parts I really miss are the competition and the camaraderie. I don't think you can uh, recreate that uh, in any other occupation. Um, certainly broadcasting isn't a competitive environment. You're trying to do as well as you can for the viewers, but it's not, you don't get marked win or loss. Mm -hmm. And so I miss that greatly. I also miss uh, the great friends I had uh, on coaching staffs and um, the great feeling you had after, after like a terrific road win. No better feeling in the world than the first five minutes after a great road win. So um, I miss those parts and, uh, you know, some other parts you don't miss as much. So, uh, you know, coaching's a great occupation. I have a great job right now. If uh, another job I feel is better for me, then I'll do that. But I think right now um, I'm doing what my dad said, which is just do the job you have the best you can. And that's what I plan to keep on doing.
What I found fascinating about you and some of the other your cohorts, I, I consider you know, your cohorts, Popovich, um, uh, Phil Jackson, um, and some of the other you know um, lifers in the NBA. Um, the thing that I've always found interesting is you guys don't address new jobs until the end of the season, whatever that job may be. Your name's been rumored for years. Where did you get that logic from? Was there a mentor who said this is how you do it, or is that something you came up with on your own? Well, I think I watched. First of all, I, um, I think you have, you respect the profession and you respect the people uh, that are that are coaching in other situations, and uh, you know how hard it is, and you don't want to make anybody's situation more difficult. And I think I've gone, I go a step uh, even further. I, I don't address coaching rumors because I feel like if the team wants to address a rumor or mm-hmm. who they're interviewing, that's up to them. For myself, uh, I try to do everything behind the scenes uh, in a very quiet manner. And that's worked best for me. That doesn't mean it's best for everyone. It's just best for me. There have been rumors for years that you've wanted to be, or rather your name was a candidate. They never came to fruition, but were you actually ever a candidate? Well, there's been jobs um, that I've been offered in the NBA that I didn't think were a great fit for me. Um, There were other jobs that I thought that would be a great fit and I didn't get them offered. So, it's really some of both, you know, in that, you know, I've had opportunities that, you know, they just, that wasn't the right timing or the right place. Um, and then, you know, there's been others I thought, man, that's a, that would be a great fit, but they decided to go in a different direction. Got to ask, Walsh reported the other day, the Clippers, a team that has interest in you, as well as Ty Lue. If they came knocking on your door, would you answer? Well, again, I, I've just found it, it it serves me best not to really talk about jobs. Um, sure. uh, you know, I think it's, it's uh, again, I've got a great job at ESPN and ABC, and mm-hmm. I never want it to um, appear that I'm not eternally grateful for those, you know, opportunities. I've been doing it for 14 years, and they've, They've been they've been really good to me for a long, long time. So, uh, when I look at your career um, at large, one of the things that I that I like about you um, is that you followed your passion. Um, and in today's day and age, either people chase chase the money or they are um, not happy in the space that they're in. If Jeff Van Gundy is not a head coach, if Jeff Van Gundy's not on TV, what is Jeff Van Gundy career wise? That's a great question. And I was uh, a high school coach uh, before I went to the college game. And, you know, before I went to the NBA, I was in college uh, coaching for three years. So I, I would suspect I'd been, I would have been a high school coach or, you know, in college coaching at some level. Uh, because to me, it's, it's not really what level you're at. It's, you know, that you're coaching, teaching, and hopefully impacting, particularly younger players, you're, you're impacting them in their formative years and that you can 
maintain lifelong friendships. I was a high school coach for a year. I had 12 guys on my high school, you know, on the high school team I coached. And thankfully, I'm still in touch with, you know, five, six, seven of them. And it's uh, really been a blessing in my life. Scoop B Radio. You've also been a referee. Jeff, I remember being in high school and seeing you as the coach of the Knicks. You've hung on Alonzo Morning's leg. You've been the victim of uh, accidentally getting hit by Marcus Camby when he was swinging at Danny Ferry. If you had one do-over, would you want to redo Lonzo Morning's leg or Marcus Camby's swing? Well, I think, you know, there's no doubt if, if I had one do-over, uh, it would be the morning thing because you don't have – you know, I had no business being on the court. I went out there with the right intentions, mm-hmm. but you know, you don't you don't get involved in that stuff. And if you do, you don't grab another uh, team's player. You grab your own guys. So, yeah, I I definitely wouldn't want to do over there. As far as the Camby situation, Camby had gotten hit with a cheap shot, and I don't blame him mm-hmm. for you know trying to get at Ferry. Unfortunately, as I was trying to get to Marcus to prevent him getting in a fight, suspended, et cetera, he swung and hit me and ended up getting, I think, a five-game suspension. So I got the stitches and the suspension on my guy. That's not a good combination. A few more questions. You, um, When I look at the Knicks, um, Chris Paul is a name who's come up uh, quite feverishly. Uh, and his name, as well as with the Bucks. From a basketball perspective, where do you like Chris Paul? I like Chris Paul right where he is. I thought he had a huge impact in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I thought they had a great season, and, and so did Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had an MVP ballot to fill out, he would have been in my one of my five uh, top five because of his impact. So I, I think, you know, if Chris Paul's happy there, uh, and he doesn't mind going through some, you know, changes in coaches and probably changes in teammates. I think he's such a great leader and steadying force that he could be a huge benefit wherever he's at. But in Oklahoma City, I just thought he had a phenomenal year. Is Sam Cassell a head coaching candidate this offseason? You know, I, I think it's hard to judge assistant coaches unless you've worked with them. You know, so I've never worked with Sam. I, I love Sam's personality, his engaging nature. He's been around uh, terrific coaches when he played. And, you know, he's learned uh, under Doc Rivers. Uh, and I think he's, he's just – I don't think you could be more ready for an opportunity – I'm just not the guy to talk to Scoop about the strengths and weaknesses he has as, as, a, as an assistant coach because we've never worked together. But from afar, I'm very impressed. Where do the Miami Heat have a chance in heaven of getting a winning game to? Well, it'd start with health. You know, you would hope that uh, Adebayo – Butler and Dragic are all healthy enough to play. And if not, that's problematic. But I think obviously after that first six minutes, they just got overwhelmed in the paint. And 
with the size of LA. And it'll be interesting to see if they can either play a quickness game where they can attack their side, the, the Lakers size before it gets set, or if Eric Spolster decides to play more size, play Kelly Olenek with Adebayo. Um, I don't know what they're going to decide, but certainly I think Miami can play a lot better. And I think from their standpoint, they have to think that the Lakers won't shoot the same from three as they did in the first half of game one. Jeff, a non-NBA finals question. Who would win in a game of horse between you and Mark Jackson? Well, if there's no trick shots and it's <laughs> a straight shot, I think I, I could hold my own. Okay. The one thing about Mark, though, even though he had funky form, he was an underrated range shooter. And um, he could make timely shots. But I – if we can stay in that 17-foot range, I got a chance. Would you like to see him coach in the NBA again? I just don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, we, we talk about um, underrepresentation right now of minority candidates, and I, I don't know what's going on. This guy had a phenomenal NBA career where everybody would tell you that he's – the smartest player they've ever coached. And then he went on to a tremendous broadcasting career. After that, he took over a Warrior team. And he didn't take over the Warrior team we know now. He took over a Warrior team that had been historically bad for a long time. He built that team up to where it was on the precipice of being a championship caliber team. They let Mark go. They redid their whole bench and become a, became a much deeper team. They hired Steve Kerr, who did a, a tremendous job, and they've won championships. But no one can give me one reason that he doesn't get more interviews or hasn't had opportunities to be a head coach in this league. Something's going on that isn't being spoken about. It's wrong. And I'll tell you this. Some owner or some GM is going to be – thought of as brilliant if they just give him a chance again and let him coach, teach, and inspire a team because he's going to win big. Hypothetically, say you got a coaching job. Would you bring him in as an assistant? I think he's far above that. He, he, he doesn't, you know, being an assistant, um, to me, he's better off uh, staying in TV. Um he needs to be a he, he needs to be a head coach again. I, you know, this idea that he should go back to being an assistant, I, I just I don't get it. I, I I just don't understand people's thinking. And he should be on everybody's shortlist. He should be getting interviews. And even with that, and I don't really know because I'm not, you know, we don't talk about everything. Um, I sure hope people are smart enough to give him interviews. We have about nine seconds left. What do you make of Zach Levine and the Chicago Bulls? It's going to be interesting. Billy Donovan has had tremendous success everywhere he's been in coaching. I think they need to embrace uh, what he's teaching and embrace doing the hard stuff in the NBA, which is defending on a nightly basis, 
putting your body on the line in the paint to rebound the ball and passing and cutting, uh, which requires unselfishness, energy, and conditioning. Mr. Van Gundy, honor to have you on. I know you were playing golf earlier today and you have a big game on Friday. Thank you so much for your time, sir. I, I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Best of luck to you. Thank you, sir. Talk soon. This is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Come on! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.